Shomalechem, this is Rabbi Kovacs, and the Mishnah Yomi Shir continues in Chapter 2 of Shekalim Mishnah Hey. Motar Shkalim, the leftover Shkalim, Chulin. They are Chulin. Now, this is what we talked about in Mishnah Gimel. It's actually a Machlokis Beis Shammai Beis Hillel. And Beis Hillel said if someone's saving up pennies to get to his Shekel obligation and he has leftover pennies and more than enough, they are Chulin. So his Mishnah rules like Beis Hillel. Now we go on to what happens if you're saving up for something else and you have leftover money. Motar Asirit Ha'efa, leftovers from the one-tenth of an efa. Now, that's the chatat of someone who's very poor, can't afford an animal. In some circumstances, he can bring a mincha instead. Or motar kinezavim, the leftover for the bird pairs of a zav or zava, kinezavot, kineyoldot, and bird pairs for a woman who gave birth. They all bring two birds, and one's an ola, one's a chatas, vechatat veshamot, or a leftover money, Above and beyond money from a sin offering or a guilt offering, motarin motarehen nedava. All of these leftovers go to the nedava fund. So we said yesterday when the mizbeach was quiet, there was nothing going on. They'd go ahead and bring a nedava, so the mizbeach isn't sitting around doing nothing. The Mishnah adds zehaklal. This is the general rule: kolshu ba l'shem chatas l'shem ashema. Anything that came for something, there's some sort of guilt involved, some sort of mistake involved, or trying to rectify, motaran nedava, leftover money from that, goes to the nedava, the gift fund. As an aside, if someone's feeling guilty, they think maybe they've made a mistake, they can't put their finger on it, always good to give tzedakah, always helps. The mission continues, motar ola la ola, leftover ola money, bring another ola, you can bring as many ola as you want, motar mincha la mincha, leftover mincha money, go ahead and bring another meal offering, motar shlamim, shlamim. Leftover peace offering money to a peace offering. Motar Pesach Lishlamim. Leftover Pesach funds go to a Shlamim, as we explained in the last Masechta and Pesachim. Sometimes a leftover Pesach animal itself, an extra Pesach, could become a Shlamim. Sometimes it could be recycled as a Shlamim. So to the money for Pesach. Motar Nazirim Lenazirim. Leftover money for Nazirs goes to Nazirs. So what's going on here is apparently there was a fund, there was a tzedakah fund for people who didn't have a lot of money to bring their concluding karbanos, their concluding offerings after they were done with their nazirut. And there are three offerings for a nazir when he does his concluding sacrifices. So it's a bit of an expense. So they set up a collection. And if there were leftovers for that collection, uh, they would go to other poor nazirim who needed to bring their karbanos. Motar nazir, the Mishnah says, the leftovers from a single nazir, Linadava. So it was one man saving up money for his own personal carbonos. Those extras go to the gift fund. Mishnah continues. Motor aniim aniim. Tzedakah collected for poor people to feed them. You know, the soup kitchen, the tamhui that goes to other poor people. Motor ani, if they collected for the specific poor person, laoto ani, it goes to him. This is even in a case where, you know, if a person had 199 zoos, he's still an ani. But once he gets to 200 zoos, he's not an ani. So it seems like even if they collected for this man more than 200 zoos, so he's technically out of the category, they can still give him all of that money because it was collected specifically for him. Motar shavuyim l'shvuyim. The leftovers from money that was collected to redeem captives goes to redeem other captives. Motar shavui, the leftovers from a specific captive, l'oto shavi, goes to that captive. This is even if they collected more than they needed to redeem this specific person. They had leftovers. They could give him or her the leftover money. Motar meitim, leftovers for the dead. This means for burial and the like. Lemeitim, it goes to bury other dead and give a proper burial. The Gemara is mentioned in a few places that 
burial in a respectful way in the cemetery was really a Jewish innovation that back then among idolaters, only the rich and famous like Paro and the, the nobles, they got a nice burial and other people just got thrown on the side of the road or in someone's backyard, which is why there's tuma, there's ritual impurity outside of Eretz Yisrael because they would bury people anywhere they want or just leave them to rot, Nebuch. So we see it was really a Jewish innovation and this is part of it that they would really raise funds for the cemetery, for the, the graves, you know, to pay the grave diggers and to give people, even if they had no family members, to give them a respectful burial and last rites. Finally, the Mishnah adds Motar Hamait, leftovers for a specific deceased, if they're raising money to bury a specific person, the Yorshav, it should go to his inheritors, his family. If they raised more than enough money to bury him, it'll go to the family. Rabbi Meir Omer, but Rabbi Meir says, It shouldn't go to the family. It should sit until Eliyahu comes and decides what to do because he says it's a suffolk. Because what's happening is if, if you have to go around raising money to bury someone, it's, it's a bit of a disgrace. It's a ganai. It, it doesn't feel good for that person and for his family. So there's a tzad to say it should go to his inheritors, to his children, because that's some sort of consolation for the disgrace of having to raise money to bury him. Uh, or maybe not. Maybe it should go to public needs, or maybe it should go to his his own uh, his own tombstone, as we're going to see. Rabbi Natan Omer, Mozart Met, Rabbi Natan says, what do you do with the leftover money? Bonin lo nefesh al kivru. You build a nefesh on his kever. You build a tombstone or a gravestone for him, like a monument so people remember him. Like, it's a very personal thing to raise money for this person, so he should, in a sense, enjoy the money somehow. On to chapter Gimel, chapter 3, Mishnah Aleph. B'sholosh prokim b'shana, three times a year. We've alluded to this Mishnah before. Termin et olishka, they would raise money out of the office. Meaning they would scoop money, we're going to see, as uh, scoop shekels out of that room to use for temple needs. When was this? Bifrosa Pesach, half of Pesach, meaning 15 days before Pesach. Fros Atzeris, 15 days before Shvuas, Fros Achag, and 15 days before Sukkot. Behen Granot Lemaiser Behema. These times are also the Goren for the animal tithe. Divrei Rabbi Akiva. This is all according to Rabbi Akiva. Now, what's going on with this Meiser Behema is that technically animals born that year must be tithed that year, but we don't want people kind of leaving their animals untithed for the entire year. Uh, we really want animals to be tithed and available, specifically and especially times people are ole regal and need to bring carbonos. So we'd have people, encourage people to tithe their animals 15 days before all of these holidays. So there are plenty of animals ready and available for the uh, for the festivals. Ben Azai, Omer, and Ben Azai disagrees with the dates a little bit. He says, Be'ezrim v'tisha ba'adar. He says it would be the last day of Adar, which again is about two weeks before uh, before Pesach. Be'echad b'sivan. Echad b'sivan is, you know, only only six days before Shavuos, not two weeks. Be'esrim b'tisha b'av. And the 29th day of Av, the last day of Av. Now this last one is because Ben Azai actually has a suffix if the Rosh Hashanah for Meiser Behema starts on Elul or the first of Tishrei. So he doesn't want animals born in Elul, tithed together with ones be born before Elul because of the suffix. We'll get into that in Rosh Hashanah when we talk about the Rosh Hashanah for Meiser Behema. Now, the Mishnah brings a third opinion, Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Shimon, Omrim, they say, Be'echad Ben-Nisan, uh, we have it 14 days before Pesach, the first of Nisan, Be'echad Be'Sivan, as Ben-Azai said, shortly before Shavuos, Be'esri Matisha Be'Elul, and the last day of Elul, 15 days before Sukkos. Why did they say this last date? Why didn't they say just say the first of Tishrei? Why did they say the last day of Elul? 
The first of Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah. You can't take Meiser Behema on a Yom Tov, on a festival. Therefore, they advance it one day to the last day of Elul, right before Rosh Hashanah. So you thought your Rosh Hashanah was busy. They were also tithing animals. And you can't tithe them on Yom Tov because we would mark every 10th animal with a dot, with like red paint, we're going to see, as we learned in Mice, in Maestras, we're talking about Maestra Behema, so you could not do that on Yom Tov. Yashukur Hachem and Zagizunt.